Welcome to our gathering tonight. Here we share stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things. Sit back, relax, and warm yourself by Jim Harold's Campfire. Welcome to the Campfire. I am Jim Harold, and so glad to be with you once again. And if you don't know what we do here, if you're new, well, what we do is we simply bring on real people and they tell their true stories of the supernatural. They could be ghosts. They could be creepy cryptid creatures. They could be UFOs. They could be a heartwarming visit from an angel or my favorite, head scratchers. But whatever they are, they are real and they are fascinating. And I hope that you enjoy the show today because we've got some great stories for you from the creepiest, creepiest to the most affirming. So I hope that you will enjoy what we have in store and what we have in store in March in Nashville. Attention, Nashville, Tennessee area fans, or if you're in that kind of southeastern region of the United States, we have a live show coming up. So the time to act is right now. Go over to jimherald.com slash live and you can be uh, in our audience on March 24th at Zany's Nashville. It is a great venue, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. We're going to do the campfire. We're going to record it, hopefully, for release on a future show. And what we're also going to do is offer you a few surprises, and we're going to have a special guest, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you'll join me. The place to go to get your tickets right away, jimherald.com slash live. And I know we're running low on the VIP tickets so you're going to want to get in if you want to have that meet and greet uh, that goes along with the show if you're a VIP ticket holder. And I believe general admission starts at $20, so it's very inexpensive. So I'm hoping to see a good uh, representation from our uh, southeastern uh, American fans if you're in that region within driving distance. And uh, we're looking forward to it. And something else we are looking forward to is this campfire and will not wait any longer. Here it is. Well, Dusty is on the line from North Dakota, where tonight as we talk, it is 15 below zero Fahrenheit. But uh, we're going to warm some things up with a campfire story about a haunted trailer house. Dusty, welcome to the program Thank you for joining us, and uh, let's uh, let's warm things up with uh, with a great campfire story. Tell us what happened. Well, thanks, Jim. Uh, my wife Allison and I are big fans. Uh, Thank you. First of Thank all. Allison. Thank you. Um, yeah, it happened when I was about, I would say, thirteen. Uh, my mo- my mom and I we moved out of the city into a small rural town uh, in North Dakota. Here, uh, it was an old old trailer. Uh, it was fixed up. It looked kind of nice, you know, inside and out. Um, it was very old. It's been there for probably 60, 70 years, actually, what we found out. But uh, we moved in. Everything was uh, hunky-dory, as they say. Um, nothing was out of, out of place. Um, it was kind of already furnished, which was kind of weird there. Um, and it all started, uh, my experience, uh, and what led me to calling you on this, is I just spoke to my mom about two weeks ago. Uh, we never talked about it all these years. It's been... 10, 20 years already. Um, I called her and I asked her if she ever had any experiences and she, she had a whole list. <laughs> um, but it started with my, my bedroom. I had a, a small uh, lamp. It was a globe, you know, it's fun and all that neat stuff. Um, it would turn on by itself. Um, you know, 14 year old me thought nothing of it. Uh, 
But every day I'd come home and it'd be on or middle of the night, it would flick on for me. Um, and I kind of thought it was strange. It kept going on and on. And then one night I was out front in the front yard. Um, I don't remember what I was doing, mowing grass. It was kind of the evening. And, um, I looked into my window and no sooner did I look, the lamp came on and there was a silhouette, a black silhouette of a man standing in my window. Oh man. Yeah. And he didn't move or he didn't make any motion towards me, but it terrified me as, as a teenager. And I never thought of saying anything to my mom because, you know, she was busy and everything like that. So kind of kept it to myself. Um, and then from there, as the years went on, this happened for, I'd say four or five years until I moved out, which thankfully I did. <laughs> um, it would be late at night. I'd be laying in my, my bedroom. Uh, we, it was just my mother and I doors were locked. Um, I would hear these heavy, heavy footsteps. It sounded like somebody was running up and down our hallway. Um, it had just continued on for many years, many nights, um, to where when it first started, I thought, Oh, I'd open the door and say, mom, what are you doing? Well, my mom wasn't there. So I'd walk to her bedroom and I'd kind of open the door and there my mom would be sleeping. So I knew it wasn't her. So that, at, at that moment, I, started to kind of get a little little worried um and then from there the the spirit uh which i do believe is a man has it progressed i guess and got worse um to the point where he started moving furniture uh he would like to move the table around the little kitchen table we had he'd move that around whoa um yeah he uh and the reason i say that is because one night i heard the footsteps and i kind of put it off uh, until I started hearing things move in the kitchen. I heard the kitchen table move. I heard the chairs get shuffled around and I couldn't believe it. I went into the kitchen. I turned the light on. The chairs are completely pushed all the way up against the stove across the, across the kitchen. And the table is dead center of the kitchen. Um, stuff was all over the floor. Um, that's kind of when I started to get a little scared. Uh, and then there was one particular instance where this thing actually took its haunting to the outside of our trailer. And, um, one night my mom, I was at work. I was about 16, 17 after school I was at work. My mom was home alone. And what she told me was that there was this loud pounding on our back door. Like somebody wanted in, it was cold out, you know, it was in the winter. So my mother, she went to the door and she opened the door and there was nobody there. Uh, huh. there was no tracks, no tracks in the snow it was fresh snow. There was no tracks out there. Nobody around. Um, she called me and I said, she said, where are you? I said, mom, I'm at work. You know this. And she's like, well, you need to get home soon. So when I got home, she told me that story. Um, and it actually ended up, it kept doing that. It would do that every few nights. It seemed like, uh, I, there was one time I was using the bathroom, walking down the hall and somebody was banging on the, the door. In that particular instance, I opened the door and there was footprints. So I figured, huh, oh, I got man. dressed. I went out there. I went out there and to the west of our trailer was an open lot. There was nothing there. Um, I followed the footprints. They appeared about 45 feet, 50 feet from our trailer. They appeared. They walked up to the door. And then you could see them walk down the stairs and then they went a different way, which is open prairie. And then all of a sudden, Jim, they just disappeared. 
Now, who do you think this was? Do you have any theories? Or what I don't have any. I don't have any theories, Jim. Um, speaking to my mom here recently in the past few weeks, she befriended a very uh, elderly lady who used to walk her dog every day by the house. And uh, she asked her one time and she said, do you know anything about this particular trailer? And she said, oh, my. She said, yes, that's the trailer of many ghosts. Whoa. And my mom. And yes. And my mom was shocked to hear her say that. Uh, it kind of got passed around through town. It, you know, the trailer it moved. And she said for about 25 years, it sat abandoned. Until it was finally moved into our spot. Um, and she said the people that had lived there before had complained about, you know, spirits or spooky things going bump in the night. Uh, things like that. And uh, the reason I say I do believe it's a man is one night, one evening, I was walking down our hallway into our kitchen, and we had a mirror above our couch in the, the living room. And I was walking into the living room, and all of a sudden, I had this strange feeling that I was being watched. So, naturally, I looked in the mirror, and in the hallway stood a man with a red shirt on, staring right back at me. Oh, boy. Um. Yes, <laughs> it was, it frightened me to where I spun around and he was nowhere in sight. And, yeah, that's um, creepy. that's creepy. And it, and it did continue on. It kind of seemed like it kind of targeted my mother more. Um, she lived in, she stayed in the back bedroom and after I had moved out, there was multiple times she said she would hear the footsteps. And they came so far as they got farther and farther that they were at her bed. She could hear them stop at her bed. And one night, uh, she felt something sit down beside her on her bed. She felt the mattress be pressed, felt the vibration. It woke her up. She said she opened her eyes. There was nobody there, but she uh, was paralyzed. Um, and then she also, at that same time, she felt somebody grab her thigh because she was laying on her side. Something grabbed her thigh and she felt the pressure and she was frightened. Um, but she said she couldn't sleep that night. And then the, the next morning she was in the shower and she got out of the shower and noticed that there was a red handprint on her thigh. Wow. Wow. So there were marks. So it wasn't just yes. something that she experienced. There was physical proof, essentially. Physical proof. Yep. Wow. I'll tell you, that's the, so did it just end after that? Oh, no, no. It, we, I lived through it for about four or five years and she lived there for another, I'd say she probably went through it for about eight years. She stayed there a few more years after I had moved out. Um, we would hear things on the, on the roof of our trailer. Like somebody was walking and jumping around, uh, to where we'd run outside and look and there'd be nothing on our roof. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, and, and so was it there the whole time you lived there? It was, it was, but it sort of manifested its way, um, in different, in different ways, uh, if you will. Uh, it really liked to move the, the kitchen stuff around my, my mother would say that she'd wake up in the morning and uh, the cupboards would be open and stuff would have got pulled out. Um, 
the ghosts really like to move around the stuff in the, in the kitchen for some reason. I don't know why. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's something else to know that you lived in a place that was haunted. And it didn't sound like, you know, some people have a ghost and it's kind of like uh, a member of the family. But this did not sound like a, a happy situation with this, uh, with this entity. No, sir. No, sir. He was there to, I think essentially what he wanted to do was have us get out. Right. Um, we think maybe it was the former owner, uh, the original owner uh, that had passed away in there. Wow. Wow. Well, Dusty, a great campfire story and uh, certainly something to give us uh, some thought. And again, you know, some of the stuff that we talk about on the show, it's very reaffirming and very positive. And then there are the darker energies. Sounds like you encountered one of those. Thank you so much for being a part tonight of the campfire. Thanks for having me, Jim. Next up on the campfire is Stephen from Utah, and he found out about us from that great podcast, Astonishing Legends, so do check them out as well. And he says he has a few experiences, but there's one that sticks out when he was younger. And yes, it uh, a Ouija board is part of the picture here. Stephen, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on. Um... I want to say, I, and I called my friend who who was part of this too, and he thinks we were about 12 or so, so kind of younger, early teenagers, where we were hanging out. There was three of us hanging out in my friend's camper trailer that his family had, and his brother came up to us, and he, he told us he had something cool he wanted to show us, and of course, we're like, okay, an older guy, yeah, sure, show us something cool. And he's like, I'm going to show you how to make a Ouija board. Mm. <laughs> yeah that should have been the first sign but you know <laughs> young didn't really know what it was about so we're like okay and so you know he grabbed a piece of paper he grabbed a pencil and he made it and he's like okay this is cool if you ask questions it will move like it moves on its own and so we had two people start it and of course you know we're asking questions and i i i'm i i don't really remember all the questions. I'm sure it was just like, you know, name, like when were you around? Um, and of course it was moving. And we all, you know, oh, you're moving it, you're moving it. And so we all just kept thinking that the other person's moving it. No, I'm not moving it. So we made the decision that whoever's holding the pencil has to put their head down so they can't see. And, you know, a way to prove that it's moving on its own. Ah. Um. And I remember the one that really freaked us out that kind of ended the session um, was we asked if it was an evil if it was an evil spirit, and it actually said yes. Ooh! <laughs> and so that we were like, we're done, and we just left the camper trailer, which later we learned was not the smart thing because apparently you're supposed to like tell it to leave and say goodbye, right. but we didn't. <laughs> so. After that, you know, we get out of the camper and we're kind of like, that's, you know, we're freaked out. And for some reason, we had the idea to go into the friend's basement, go into the bathroom and do the Ouija board or not the Ouija board, the Bloody Mary. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> he said, OK, the Ouija board wasn't scary enough. Let's uh, let's let's kick it up a notch. 
Yeah, which I don't get because we were freaked out. So, I mean, I don't know if that spirit was like edging us to do it or what, but we went into his basement and in the basement bathroom, there's no windows. It's just, you know, a kind of smaller bathroom. So we go in there, we shut the door, we turn off the lights and we start, you know, calling Bloody Mary. Um, my one friend I talked to, he said he remembers actually seeing something. He's like, I remember seeing something red and trying to figure out what it was. But the other friend of ours, all of a sudden, he got thrown up against the wall. Um, I was oh, next boy. to him, and I remember just feeling the wind of him being shoved. And, I, of course, hearing him getting shoved against the wall. Immediately, we're all freaked out again. We're trying to open the door and turn on the lights to figure out what happened. We can't get the lights on. For some reason, they don't want to turn on. The door is not opening. Oh boy. And we're yelling and banging on it. We have someone on the other side trying to open it, and nothing's happening. Finally, all of a sudden, the light comes on, and we can, we can open the door, and we run out, and it dawns on us, hey, we never had the spirit leave us. This spirit is still messing with us. We run back to the camper trailer, trying to find the piece of paper, and it's not even on the table where we left it. Oh, boy. And, and so we're searching for it, and finally we find it, on the cushions, kind of tucked like it was trying to be hidden under the cushions, but didn't quite make it. And so we, you know, grabbed it. We said goodbye. We're done. We want you to leave. And that's been the only time I've messed with the Ouija board. And I, I will never do that again. You, you learned your lesson, I guess. Oh, oh yes. Like, like I said, I talked to my friend the other day about it. And he's like, I, we're strongly against. People have told us, oh, let's do it. And we're like, nope, never again. The Don't interesting- people believe in it. The, the the interesting thing that I find, Stephen, is that even though people, you know, they won't do the Ouija board, they're still interested. This kind of thing piques people's interest, and they still want to, years like it, later, decades later, they want to figure out what in the world happened. That's why I think people enjoy listening to this show, because they're, they're thinking, ooh, I get to hear other people, and, and maybe I'll pick up some information or understand better what happened to me because of what happened to others. And, and I think that... When you have an experience like that, and and having had a couple of, uh, not really scary, but what I consider supernatural experiences, it just kind of whets your appetite to to learn more. Oh, oh, definitely. Like I, I mean, I love listening to you and all the stories. Like it, it intrigues me. I, I like I said, I've had plenty of experiences in my life. Not all scary, but this one was. One of the first that I remember and probably one of the scariest. <laughs> Sounds like it was. Well, promise me you won't go playing with any Ouija boards. No. <laughs> oh, no, de de definitely not. I, I have another friend. He doesn't believe in any of this stuff. And he's always trying to convince me. And I'm like, no, I don't care if you don't believe in it. I do. I know what yeah, I experienced. That's right. I, You've been yeah. there and you saw it. So you decide that's enough for me. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the campfire. All right. Thank you. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Calm, and Calm is the number one app for sleep, relaxation, and meditation. You know, the beginning of a new year, it's an opportunity to create new habits to be our happiest, healthiest selves. And if you want to sleep better and feel less stressed, you need Calm. It is the easiest way to improve your mental and physical being and start off your 2020 off correctly. 
Now, Calm has sleep stories, for example, which are like bedtime stories for adults that can help you fall into a deep, natural sleep in minutes. And stories are narrated by iconic voices like LeVar Burton and Nick Offerman. And they also have soothing music from artists like Sam Smith, guided meditations, and we've talked many times on the shows about meditation and how important that is, breathing exercises, and so much more to keep you relaxed and de-stressed. Now, in the new year, I am trying to get on a healthier tack, and Calm is part of that, and I'm really enjoying it, and I think that you will too. And we have a great offer I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. Remember, over 60 million people, yes, 60 million people use Calm. Join them today to accomplish your goals tomorrow. And for listeners of the Campfire, Calm is offering a special limited-time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash campfire. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com slash campfire. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash campfire. That's calm.com slash campfire. Thanks, Calm. You're listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Oh boy, I think we've got a creepy one. JC is on the line. I'm not talking about him, but I'm talking about his story. He's calling in tonight from Los Angeles. And this one, well, let me just say this. There is a mirror involved in this story. And if you've listened to the campfire any time at all, and you know the campfire in a mirror, it's like, <laughs> and I think this story will definitely yeah. fall in that category. JC, welcome to the show. I know you've been listening for a while. We appreciate it. Oh, and your friend Nina told you about it. So Nina, thank you very much. And be like Nina and tell everybody about the campfire. JC, thank you again and tell us your story. Hi, Jim. Um, so yeah, as you said, there is mirrors involved in this story, but it's not how you would typically think of one. Right. Um, um, so, okay. Uh, yeah, real head scratcher story. So I'll just get into it. Um, this happened when I was around 11, uh, 11, 12, uh, sixth grade. And I'll preface it with saying, unfortunately, it was not a really happy time for my life or for my family. Um, we were in a transition period, uh, moving from San Diego to Las Vegas. And when we got to Las Vegas, uh, my mom got there first with her best friend. And um, what was interesting uh, was that our best friend was having these like, premonitions, these dreams before getting there that something was off. But she, she came through and, and moved in. And uh, before me and my sister and the nanny that was taking care of us at the time got there, um, my mom and her went and had like a happy hour day together and they went out and had some drinks and all that. And then they came back, uh, having gone out and then every single door and window was open in this house. Uh, we were moving into, oh. so they, so right off the bat, there was some really strange energy happening, uh, here in this, like in this new Vegas house. And of course, these are not things that I knew at the time when I was moving there, but, um, yeah, just right off the bat, these things were not, uh, the energy was really dark. Um, so 
some of the things that would happen in this house uh, were that, so my mom's best friend, it was Vegas, so she worked in nightlife. It was uh, in school. So when she would come home really late, around three or four in the morning, um, later the next day, uh, when I would come back from school, she would ask me, hey, um, just was going to ask you, was there any uh, chance that you had your, had your TV on last night or something? And I'm like, no. She's like, oh, it's weird because I just heard a, a couple like fighting really loud and violently in your room. <laughs> I was like, what? No, I, I I was asleep. There was nothing, nothing was on. No, I was a school night. I, I remember asleep and don't know what that could be. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, like other things too, um, we would always hear footsteps going up and down the stairs when there was nobody there. Um, this would happen to me only to me when I was home alone I would come from school. There wouldn't be anyone home yet or something. And, um, without, uh, like every single time the power would just completely turn off. And I was alone in a small ish child and I didn't know how to use a circuit breaker. So this, I would have to go to the neighbor's house to help, uh, to get help to get the power back on, but it never happened. The power never turned off when there was other people in the house. It was just when I was in the house. So I mean, Oh, wow. <laughs> So, so I don't know. I think there was this like force in there that just didn't really vibe with us or that has been there or that was stuck. I have no clue, but probably the creepiest thing that happened, um, in this house was, I remember it was like a, a fall day and it gets pretty chilly in Vegas, but I was the next day in the fall and it was me and my sister and my nanny. I'll preface it also this, that uh, my special needs so we had a full-time nanny living mm-hmm. with us taking care of me and my sister my mom was also working a lot too um so we were together that day and i was in my room and i remember that before we left i opened the window it was a nice day and i was on the computer probably playing roller coaster tycoon or something and um we went uh, outside to go on a walk we were still getting familiar with the neighborhood and so it was a nice night and we just went and walked around. So we came back an hour or so later and we're back in the house. And I, um, as soon as I go back up to my room, I remember going to my window to go and close it because it started getting chilly. So I go to my room, I, I get to the window, I close it. And as I'm pulling it, the window down, I look there and there is a kitchen, not a, three by like five inch or so perfectly cut out piece of paper, printer paper, inkjet, black and white. And there's a picture of a man um, looking at himself in the mirror. And the text underneath it says, your worst nightmare is about to come true. Oh man. Ooh. Uh, I, it chills right now, but then back then I was mortified. I, I slammed the window. I took the note. I ran downstairs and I was like, what is this? I was asking my nanny. She's never seen anything like that. And it felt pretty clear that it came from the printer that was in my room. And I don't know how it was sliced and where the rest of the page could have possibly gone. It was just a regular eight and a half, 11 cut out uh, paper. And I, with I, nobody had ever seen anything like this. I, 
called my mom. Uh, she was at work. I was freaking out. She had never heard or seen anything like this. I asked everybody that had been in my room for the past few weeks if they put it there, if I just missed it, and nobody heard anything like this. So we didn't know what to do. We were all really scared. Um, I, I, I remember I just, out of panic and emotion, just tore the paper up, and I threw it in the trash can and, and was really, really, really scared. Now, did you rule out any possibility or any thought of someone pulling a trick on you? There was no one at home that could have done done that. And, um, you know, besides my mom's best friend, uh, my mom was actually in training for a few months. And um, wow. so she wasn't actually wow. home. It was just the nanny. And my mom's best friend was at work at the time. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're talking about adults. I don't think anybody like an adult would do that to no, a child. No, no, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. To that would be pretty, that would be pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> cold. Um, now, uh, what happened subsequently, you said it wasn't, wasn't favorable to say the least. Well, yeah, it wasn't. So in terms of my worst nightmare about to come true there, there wasn't really anything specific that happened. Um, just unfortunately, some not very cool events happened. Like my sister, she felt pretty sick and got uh, pneumonia, which is a big deal with her with, it's, since she's already special needs and has a condition. Mm. But uh, we got through that episode and, um, you know, things like my mom being gone for a long time as a kid, that's really scary. Uh, my parents got divorced. <laughs> it was just a whole slew of, of not a very great uh, preteen to teenage years um after that but i don't know if that specific thing is what caused it it just happened to be that this was amongst the beginning of the timing of all this uh parts of my life yeah that's but that's really that that's very very uh, frightening um any thought to why this house exhibited this activity any any history anything that would lead you to believe oh that's the answer well, um, not entirely there. I remember the neighbors all had their own, uh, I guess, ghost stories that they would share about their house. Uh, we were lived in the cul-de-sac and so this whole cul-de-sac had activity apparently. <laughs> and, um, there, the, the neighbor on the corner was a friend and they had a, a sister that was just slightly older than us. And, um, I remember the mom had to get the, the, the place, secured because of vampires like she was literally planning got like a priest and planted garlic around the house so <laughs> there was just a, it was just a hot neighborhood for for the spirits jim <laughs> i guess so well jc thank you so much for sharing your story and it seems like it didn't scare you off of the supernatural still very much interested in it and uh, uh -huh. <laughs> we, and we thank you and we thank nina for telling you about the campfire thanks jim my pleasure well, next up on the show is Sherry from Maryland. She's been listening for a few years, so we thank her for that. She has uh, a couple of poignant stories to tell us, and we really appreciate when people um, are vulnerable enough to share these stories with us because they think they have messages that are important to us all. Sherry, welcome to the program, and please tell us what happened. Hi, thank you so much. Um, so my son... Uh, passed away several years ago. He was six years old. I'm sorry. And um, it's okay. Uh, but thank you. Um, he had severe special needs. 
and he just passed in his sleep one night. So I don't know, you know, exactly what, what caused it. But, um, it was about a week later and, you know, this was very unexpected. We, he was sick, but we weren't expecting him to pass. So it was about a week later. Um, you know, it was a very difficult week and I was sleeping one night and I had a dream where, and again, this could just be a dream. It could just be me hoping that it's, you know, something more, but it was, um, where I was in our room, but the room, it was just kind of like the, the bed was in the center and everything else was, was black around it. Like, like we were kind of in shadow and my husband came in and he was carrying our son and he said he had this, my husband had this kind of look of, uh, kind of like wonder on his face. And he said, look, Adam came to visit us. And he just kind of came into the room and sat down with him. And I was so excited. And I said, I, I, I just wanted to make sure that he was okay. You know, you just want to make sure that your loved ones are okay when, when they pass away. And so I could only think to ask him, uh, Adam, are you okay? Is, is someone taking care of you? Because, you know, I was his main caretaker when he was alive. And so I wanted to make sure that someone was still taking care of him. And, and he said, he said, yes. And Adam couldn't talk. Uh, but in this dream, he, he, he kind of stuttered and he said, yes. And I said, um, who's taking care of you? And he just said, angels. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I said, is there, is there anything you want to, you need to tell me, you want to tell me? And he said, I love you. And I said, okay, I love you. And, and anything you want to tell to tell daddy. And he said, I miss you. And then that was it. And I don't remember any, I don't remember the dream ending. I just remember that, that kind of being it. And, um, so that, that's my story. And I, I hold on to it as, as him visiting me. I, I remember a couple months ago, you had a caller who was talking about how someone was, someone in his family was coming to him and he couldn't get through to his his wife because they were kind of on different wavelengths or something like that. Right. Um, so that just kind of makes me feel better that it was, it was just that one time I haven't had anything since. And even if it was just a dream, it was just a coincidence. It was still something that it's something I hold on to. It means I, a lot to me. I think it's absolutely positive. It was your son communicating with you. Now, sometimes when people have these dreams, I've heard them say that they were very vivid or they were very lifelike. It didn't seem like a dream. Did it seem like a dream to you or did it seem very lifelike? It didn't. I wouldn't say it seemed lifelike or, or, or any more vivid. It just, but it definitely had a different feel to it. Um, I'm not really sure how to describe it. Uh, you know, I know, I know what a dream is like, and, and this just seemed like it was almost in a, in a different place. Yeah, I, I certainly but, believe. Yeah. And I also feel, you know, again, when people say strange things happen to in dreams, I think sometimes it's just, you know, I always use the example, you go to the uh, produce section and you come home and that night you have a dream about flying on a banana. I mean, I think that's some of it, <laughs> but I also believe, I also believe 
And again, this is just based on what I've heard. It's nothing scientific. Just my kind of the way I think about it is when we are asleep, we're, our brain is in a different state. I think we're more receptive to things. So I do believe sometimes when we get these messages that they're not, you know, just an undigested bit of gruel like Dickens would say, but they're actually <laughs> right. representative of something. And I think in your case, very much so. Very much so. That was your son probably trying to get back to you. Again, I'm not an expert. It's just my thought on the subject. And and I'm just going with my gut feel. It just felt like it. And, you know, I, there's no way to prove it, but but that's that's always how I thought and, of and it. And that's, that's great that it provides comfort. And you said... There are other stories in your family uh, where a family member has had a strange encounter with the deceased. Yeah, it's it's really just um, just one other that I never forgot. My my great grandfather who passed away back in 1995. So my details may be fuzzy, but um, about a week or maybe two weeks before he passed away, he uh, fell asleep in his his chair in the living room and. Um, said that his brother, who had passed away, gosh, it had to be at least 50 years before that, so wow. some time ago, um, he he came to him and said he was going to be waiting for him, and he said he just felt so at peace, and he said he was dressed, um, he was dressed really sharp, he was dressed really beautifully, and he had this kind of glow around him, and he said, I'm fine, I, I don't, I don't need, uh, I don't need to worry. Um, and maybe a week or two weeks later, he passed away from from uh, a stroke. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And we've had other cases of that as well. I, I believe it exists. I really do believe. And, uh, and I know many, many others out there do as well. Sherry, thank you so much for sharing these very personal stories with us tonight on the campfire. Oh, thank you so much. Jim Harold's Campfire is brought to you by Babbel, and it is a fantastic way to learn a language. Now, have you been thinking about relearning that language you took in high school or college, but don't think you'll have enough time? Well, that's where Babbel comes in. Babbel can help you relearn that language within weeks. Babbel is designed to quickly get you speaking your new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. And I'm using Babbel now. I'm working on Spanish, and I love it. It's different than any other app that I've tried in this uh, area, and it is better because Babbel teaches real-life conversations. You're not learning words and phrases out of context. You learn through interactive dialogues. And lessons are lovingly created by over 100 language experts, real people, not by a translation machine or a computer. They care that you learn and they do a great job. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and many more. And the teaching method that Babbel employs has been proven to be effective in research across multiple studies. And their speech recognition technology, well, it helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Best of all, Babbel is available as an app or online, and your progress will be synced across all devices. And I'm using it. I'm absolutely loving it. I feel like I'm making progress, and I think Babbel is so cool. And this is cool, too. Right now, Babbel is offering our listeners three months free with the purchase of a three-month subscription with promo code 
campfire. Go to Babbel.com and use promo code campfire on your three-month subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code campfire. Thanks, Babbel. You're listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Now, back to another great story. Well, next up on the campfire is a return caller, Asher. You might remember before he talked about living in a haunted house and hat man dreams. And we've been hearing a lot of hat man lately. Spooky stuff. And he is going to talk to us about uh, a house he moved into after that, a farmhouse and the strangeness that ensued. Asher, welcome to the program. And please tell us what happened. Sure. Thanks. It's great to be back. Um, so yeah, I'll just start off with, um, just a nice little, uh, heartwarming follow-up to moving out of that, uh, haunted house, uh, with, uh, the hat man stuff. Um, so we, we moved out to the farmhouse, uh, right after that. Um, and the farmhouse was owned and lived in by my great grandma, uh, Beverly. It's where my grandpa grew up. Um, and we happened to move back out to that, uh, that same house. And, um, the first night there, I was terrified, you know, coming from a house where I was more or less kind of terrorized, uh, by, by a shadow figure hat man. Um, and I just remember being really scared cause it's way out in the sticks, you know, old farmhouse, sure. uh, super dark, um, you know, no, no light pollution or anything from a city. So, um, and I remember laying there and kept, I kept looking out the hallway, uh, or out the door to the hallway. Um, just knowing I would see the, the hat man guy again. Um, which luckily I didn't, but, um, I did see my grandma Beverly standing there. Um, oh. and it, it was, it was, it was, uh, very, um, very, very warming and reassuring that, uh, that everything was going to be okay. Um, I could see her with her white shirt, her red um, sweater that she was wearing. She had Coke bottle glasses, uh, black dyed hair. You know, she was about 90 years old when she passed. Um, so I could see her standing there looking at me and, and I seen her smile and then kind of back away um, into the hallway. And so I just figured I'd start out with that because it was a nice little follow up to the previous years and what I'd been dealing with um, at that other house. Yeah, and that that is kind of reassuring. And that I think that shows us that some of these things can be quite terrifying, and other ones can be quite heartwarming. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Um, and then I'll just touch on one of the the bigger things that happened um, living out there. Um, so this is a kind of a two day ordeal. Um, it's it's a little unincorporated town, about thirteen minutes outside of the the main city that I, I live in, um, and there there's always this uh haunted you know uh things that people would say and all these rumors and everything about this it was a school on one side of the road and a church on the other side of the road um abandoned for years and years um but uh people in the area that lived out there uh, attended the school attended the church and everything like that so um there's always stories going on about it being haunted out there and one uh weekend um i took a friend uh out there who had never heard of it or anything like that. Um, and I took him out to one of the little graveyards that's just right off the main strip there, um, kind of catty corner to that church and, um, school area. And, um, I, he suggested that I just kind of drop him off. Um, it was about 
1030 at night, I'll just drop him off there. He would maybe take some pictures and, and record and maybe see if he could get any, anything out there. Um, this kind of toted as one of the haunted areas. Um, so, uh, we did just that. I dropped him off and I, I just drove down the road a ways. I'm not going too far, but to give him some, um, alone time out there with no lights or anything like that or car sounds. And, um, I came back about 15 minutes later and he, he got in the car and, uh, just like, yeah, well, I don't know why you dropped me off there. There's no headstones or anything like that. Um, and I just remember kind of being taken aback. I was like, well, I've, I've pictures of the headstones there. Oh my! Um, it's at the, yeah, it's it's at a it's at a four way cross. Um, so it's, I mean, you can't mistake it for a different area. It's a very well known area. I, I grew up out there at this time, and uh, and so he's like, yeah, here's the pictures, and there's nothing, there's no headstones or anything like that. You can see the fenced in area of the, uh, where the graves would have been. Um, and so that was pretty alarming. Um, and so we ended up going back the next night with a, a group of people. And so we, we drove out to the area and sure enough, they're all there. Uh, nothing was missing or disappeared or anything like that. Um, all the graves were there, which is wild because we have pictures of them there pictures of them not there and now we're there with a group of five people and we all see them so we park the car and we get out and we're kind of walking around and being respectful and not you know stepping in front of the headstones or anything like that but just kind of walking around the perimeter and snapping pictures and we're just kind of you know out there amateur ghost hunting um which is what a lot of kids had had done out there um and so we go back and sit in the car and we're kind of looking at the pictures. Um, this was back when digital cameras were really big. So, um, we were reviewing the pictures and we've seen, you know, some orbs and everything and, uh, you know, things that could certainly be dismissed as dust or specks or bugs or whatever. Um, and then, so we're sitting there and all of a sudden, uh, we see lights coming from behind us and, for where we were parked, we were parked facing the main road. So we had pulled onto this road and, and whipped a U-turn or a Y-turn in the road. And we were parking facing the main road. The graveyard is on our right. Um, and then behind us is a dead end. Um, and to my knowledge, there's no houses out there or anything like that. Um, though there used to be one that was out there, but demolished. And so we're sitting there and then we see the lights um, coming from quite a ways back. And so we all kind of turn around and, you know, we're kind of like, well, what's going on here? You know, it's probably 1130 or, or midnight at this point. Um, and then these lights just come flying up on us and approaching us. It's super quick. And so, uh, my friend who was driving, um, you know, starts fumbling his keys, puts the keys in the ignition and, uh, and, um, tries to start the car. And before we know it, the, the lights are right on us and then all of a sudden they're gone. So it's like, it's like it went through us almost. Uh, wow. We were, we were sure we were going to get hit. Um, and it, you know, freaked us out. We, we took off and we went down the road a little bit and pulled into um, a little turnaround area. Um, it was essentially six foot of a driveway that never came to anything. Um, it was just kind of in the woods. So we, we whipped in there to try to uh, turn around and, and kind of creep and go back. Cause now we were curious. And, um, when we put the car in reverse, um, all the lights shut down. Um, we could see our breath, um, with looking, you know, we were looking at our phones and we could see our breath. Um, none of us had service. Uh, we couldn't see the tail lights, uh, reflecting or, or showing red on the trees or anything. Um, it was like, everything was kind of standing still. 
um, and we weren't getting any real feedback from from anything. And so we were all kind of freaking out. And my my one friend who was um, a little more uh, skeptical and scared of everything um, started really having a hard time. And he was like, you know, let's get out of here. I'm never going to be any of your friends again. I'm not going to talk to you ever again. You know, going through the whole thing of just absolutely losing his mind. And um, so we, after like five minutes of sitting here idle with nothing happening, we the car finally like re-engages i guess i don't know because we were pushing on the gas we could hear the engine revving it was in reverse but we weren't going anywhere and so finally it kind of engaged and um, we backed up and everything kind of powered back on and we we took back off to the the same graveyard and um because we wanted to go see if there was anything if there's a truck there what you know we wanted to go just at least take another look so we parked in the same position and we sat there for probably another 20 minutes and um, all of a sudden we see the lights again way behind us. Um, they turn on and they come flying up on us again. And then um, maybe 50 yards out, they start uh, dimming down. And it's not like when someone turns their lights off and they, they dim for like a, you know, a second, you can kind of see them shutting down. Right. But it's more or less they flip off. These were like a really slow um, dim. Uh, all the way down to nothing. And when they dimmed, you could see the uh, kind of, uh, I'm not sure what they're called, like headliner lights um, that are above, like on a truck. They're the little yellow lights that are across the top. Um, so we could see that it was now a truck. And so then it dimmed out to nothing and it was just black. And then all of a sudden, right behind us, the lights flash on. And we could see the front of a truck. Um, you, the lights were, I mean, a foot off of our bumper in the back. So we took off and kind of peeled out of there. And, um, my buddy had a little Chevy that he kind of did some aftermarket stuff too. So, I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't ridiculously fast, but <laughs> it had some, it had some ponies in it. And so we, um, we took off and we're flying down the road and we're definitely breaking the speed limit at this point, but you know, we're trying to get away from this truck that seems to just be right on us. Um, and it, it looked like, um, the old, like Z28 Chevys, like really yeah. boxy. Yeah, I know what they are. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what the truck looked like, but it was like right on us. And we're, I mean, we're flying at this point and we're coming up uh, on this hill around a corner. Um, so directly behind us at this point is the school and the, uh, the church that everyone says is supposedly haunted. So we can see that in the rear view, essentially, uh, if we were able to look back. Um, but we're coming up over this hill and then we, we crest the hill and go down the other side. And uh, as we look back, we can see the truck lights uh, coming up behind us. Um, you can see like the lights shining over the hill, but you can't see the truck yet. And there was a car coming from the front of us. And the truck in the car met at the same time on the top of the hill. And then all of a sudden that truck was gone. And it was like it, it just disappeared. Um, the lights were no longer shining over the hill or anything like that. Um, and my buddy said that he saw the, the top liner lights come over the hill and then the thing disappeared when it met the other car. And, um, so we didn't look back after that. We just floored it all the way to this other little town that usually about 30 minute drive. And we got there pretty quick. Um, and then, so that was the actual incident and we were pretty shaken up over it. And we got back to my buddy's house and, um, my cousin, uh, felt like he just needed to take a picture. So he took a picture and 
I don't know if this would mean anything or not, but we were, he was at the foot of the, the couch um, on the right side. And three of us were sitting on the couch. One uh, person was standing on either side of the couch. He said that we were uh, in the shape of a cross. Um, the way that we were positioned when he took uh, a picture after we had gotten back with that same digital camera. And uh, my friend who was having a really hard time with everything, um, his eyes were completely blacked out in the, the phone. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe something had attached to him or what, but we to to kind of sum up everything. Um, later that weekend, that Sunday night, um, I went online and was searching around for answers and kind of calling around to some of my relatives. Cause, um, what I failed to mention was my entire family is up from out in that area. Um, they all grew up within about a three, four mile radius of that area. Um, so I could, I started asking them and everything. And apparently, um, back in the day, however long ago that was, um, there was a girl and her boyfriend driving, um, to the local high school here and, uh, from way out there. And they had, um, apparently gotten a really bad accident out there yeah. and he had that type of truck. Oh my. And, um, the accident happened on that same road that we were on, um, from what I could gather and from what everyone said. Now, maybe this is just a hometown legend kind of thing, but, um, I went on and found, actually found some forums, um, that people were posting on and other people had experienced that same thing, the phantom truck. Um, and then the disappearing graveyard too. So I guess that was something that other people had experienced as well. So I just thought it was kind of cool. Um, that we had kind of maybe witnessed that piece of history or, you know, that maybe the landscape recorded that, you know, who knows, but, um, that was something that happened after my whole Hatman incident and, and all that kind of thing. So I figured I would uh, share that since it happened to five of us and wow. Wow. I haven't and, been back there. Yeah. And getting, <laughs> I don't blame you. And <laughs> the thing is, is that with multiple people experiencing it, you know, there's something going on there. Wow. What a great story. Well, Asher, thank you so much for joining us and please keep in touch and let us know if anything else strange crops up. Sure. I can do that. Thank you so much. Follow Jim on Twitter and Instagram at the Jim Herald and join our virtual campfire Facebook group at virtualcampfiregroup.com. Now back to the campfire. Well, next up on the campfire is Amanda from New Jersey. And I got to share this. This is so cool. Her husband was driving. He had an overnight trip. He was up in Canada and he heard me on the radio with the great Richard Sirrett, who has a show, I believe, out of Boomer Radio in Toronto. It's the conspiracy show. So be sure to check out Richard's stuff. He also has a great podcast as well. And as we know, he is a a regular guest host on the Great Coast to Coast AM. So Richard Sirrett, check him out. He's one of the best and a great guy and uh, a great talent. But uh, Amanda has a great story for us. She's going to tell us about what she describes as one of the most pivotal moments of her life in what may have been a supernatural visitor. Amanda, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us and tell us what happened. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm so glad that you chose that I should share this story because it's absolutely the most inspirational moment of my entire life. My family tends to be sensitive. We've had a lot of other paranormal occurrences ever since I could remember, but this story 
itself really has directed my whole life since then. Um, it centers around events that occurred during my recovery from anorexia when I was 15. Uh, just to give a little bit of background on that, I had spent my early teenage years being basically a slave to a disease I didn't even know I had. Um, since I was about 13, I, I basically was just going through the motions of the disease and not realizing that anything was wrong. Um, thankfully, once I turned 15, I was faced with medical info that my mother was able to, um, to show me, showing that I was basically dying. And I couldn't deny the fact at that point that I had a disease and I needed to stop and um, I had to go into recovery. So that jolted me out of that reverie, thankfully. Um, I spent the next year of my life after that in intensive therapy, gaining back all the weight I lost, um, rediscovering who I was because I had basically just been anorexic for the prior two years. Um, everything else was lost um, and exposing the rue of the disease. Um, so at that time, I was absolutely hopeless. Um, all I could feel was anger, all the anger that I had pushed down during my childhood. Um, and I had, I had no hope whatsoever of ever getting out of that situation. I, there, in the back of my mind, I felt like if anything were to happen and it, if it were to end there, I would regret it later. But I honestly didn't care because I was just so tired and, I didn't know if I had what I needed to, to keep fighting from that point on. Um, so I remember one night I was getting up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. Um, I walked back in my room and I saw this entity standing next to my bed. It was, uh -huh. um, it basically, yeah, sorry. No, I said, oh my, it, <laughs> it's not what yeah, you expect. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And the weirdest thing was at the time, it didn't feel like it was anything unusual. It felt like it was supposed to be there. Um, and it looked basically the way that a television screen looks when you can't tune in the channel, all the snow and the static. Um, it had maybe the vague outline of a human being, the head, the shoulders, couldn't see any arms or legs. Um, and it was maybe seven and a half feet tall. It was very tall. Um, and as soon as I saw it, it was just an overwhelming sense washed over me of the fact that this, it was the job of whatever this was to be there right then. And to tell me that no matter what I was going to get out of this and things were okay. And it also gave me the distinct impression that I had a purpose and my purpose had sort of gotten derailed from the way it was supposed to go. And if it continued down that road, um, I saw for an instant just how interconnected my life was with everybody else's. It was absolutely indescribable um, how complicated it seemed at that moment. And the fact that I had this role to play and it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of pressure. All I had to do was not go down this road and turn around and get better. And it would get easier from that point on because the next day would be the first day of the rest of my life, so to speak. And I just, when I saw this figure, I was also 
um, overwhelmed by just absolute purpose and love and hope. And I just knew that there was so much more that we're not allowed to see that it was representing and that had been sent from, if, if that makes any sense at all. And sure. it, it was just saying, yeah, it was just saying very, very clearly that I really needed to just go to sleep and have faith and things would be better. And I remember just walking right past that figure like it was the most normal thing in the world, laying back down in my bed and closing my eyes while it was still there. And oh, the other thing, too, that I remembered, it felt like it knew me. It felt like it knew everything about me. And I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel self-conscious because it already knew everything and it was all right. And and, and the thing to me is what you're describing here is that it gave you relief at that point in time to know everything was going to be okay and to just hang in there. But it's also given you a broader understanding of our place in the universe and that in general, everything's going to be okay. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to this day, I there is not a day that goes by that I don't think of the way it made me feel. And I don't think of the way that it, it showed the universe to me ever since then, I don't have to doubt that we have a purpose and there is a reason that we're here because I don't know what it is, but I know it's there. Well, I I love that story. And that's the thing that I always try to get across to people. Of course, on the shows, we're going to have the spooky, scary stories and the things that startled me and frightened me. And those are a part of the whole kind of continuum of the supernatural. But I will say Mm -hmm. in there, you know, there's some stories that are very reassuring, very uh, life-affirming, and things that I think should make us, uh, you know, not afraid, but actually very, very heartened. Uh, by and, and your story is uh, one of those. I know you have some other stories. We'd love to hear those. I know you're going to call back on future shows. But Amanda, I really, really do appreciate you sharing this on the campfire tonight. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed the campfire as much as I did. And I hope that you'll tell a friend and make sure that you are subscribed or following in the podcast app of your choice. That's really important. That way, A, you never miss an episode, and it really helps us a lot, raises us on the charts, and more people find the campfire, more people find the campfire. They call in with more great stories, and there you go. It's a virtuous circle, and we uh, appreciate all of your support. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody, and as always... Stay spooky. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Jim Harold's Campfire. Tune in again next time for more stories of ordinary people who have experienced extraordinary things. <laughs>